Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. A couple of years ago, we had an opportunity to go to Italy and uh, spend some time in, uh, in, in Naples and, and in Rome. Uh, and, and we went with uh, we went with the Barnes, uh, uh, Dave and, and Leanne Barnes. Dave was the uh, commanding officer of the reserve unit uh, there in Naples. So we we kind of hung around with uh, the the people in his command. And and one of the one of the men in his command uh, was a chaplain. Uh, his name is Brian, and uh, uh, he was over there studying uh, at the Vatican. Uh, working on his PhD uh, uh, to to become a, a, a Jesuit, and so it, we, had, we had some great conversations with him. And when we were in Rome, we kind of got a little private tour of some parts of the Vatican, which were which were really cool. Uh, and uh, so we were talking about him, we were talking to him, and. Uh, uh, and asked about how it was that he became uh, interested in, in in becoming a Jesuit, and he says, "Well, I started out in a in a very conservative Protestant denomination." And I, how do you go from being a part of a conservative Protestant denomination to becoming a Jesuit in the in the Catholic Church? He says, "Well, funny you should ask." <laughs> Uh, he said, I always had an inquisitive mind. And, uh, and actually, I, ultimately, I went on to college uh, and, uh, and, and got a, a degree in, in science. I'm, I'm, I'm a scientist uh, at, at heart. And he said, when I was uh, uh, in my uh, early teens, I started asking questions. And, and my pastor said to me, uh, Brian, you know what? You, you, don't, you don't need to ask those questions. You just need to have faith. You just need to believe. And he said, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I wanted to know. And so I, he said, I, I kind of felt like my, my church left me in my quest to understand God and to understand the world around me. And as I pursued uh, my, my studies in science, he says, the Catholic Church came alongside of me and said, young man, you're asking very good questions. Let's sit down and reason together uh, about these issues. And he said, I'm in. I'm in. And that's how I got to be where I am today. And I just shook my head and, and thought, how many people are driven away from the church and from God because pastors, and I blame pastors, don't want to take the time to walk people through some of the more challenging questions that we face. Now, I've always been a believer. You ask the question. Because if I can't answer the question, then we'll go on a, on a discovery tour together to wrestle through to come up with the answers. Because for most of the big questions that are out there, there are good answers, good solid answers. Now, that's not to say that some mystery doesn't, uh, doesn't still exist. In fact, there is a lot of mystery 
But we can trust God for the mysteries when we do the, the, the deep dive on some of the more difficult questions. And, and, and there are good answers to those questions out there. So for Brian, he was told early on that he just needed to have more faith and trust and not worry about those things. And, and, and that attitude has kind of uh, 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 moved out into the, into the community where people now think, well, if, if you have faith in God, well, you know, if it's non-science, then it's nonsense. And, and, and what are you guys thinking? Oh, <laughs> obviously you're not. And, and that's not true. As Christians, we do think we are charged by God, by the word, the Holy Scripture, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It includes the mind. This is so important when we talk about our faith, that we're not kind of stepping out into, into nothing, but to recognize that it is the object of our faith that is most relevant to the conversation. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Yay! We are in the 11th chapter. This is a great chapter. In fact, it is known as the Hall of Faith. We are going to read about some people. And, and you know what? When people say, oh, there's people in the Bible. They were, they, were, they, were, they were up here and I'm down here. We need to understand that the people in the Bible were just ordinary people. And they were flawed human beings. Just like when we, we heard Matt tell us about Moses today. You know what? Uh, no, Lord, send somebody else. I'm not up to this today. I, I, you, no, I know you can do it, Moses. Lord, I think you have too high uh, a, a opinion of me. Uh, and, and don't we think that sometimes when there's an opportunity to do something? Oh, man, I couldn't do that. I could never do that. And so we kind of shrink back. Back. God still does extraordinary things through ordinary people. And we're going to encounter some incredibly ordinary people uh, in this 11th chapter who have done some extraordinary things. The author of Hebrews has laid out a very careful argument to make sure that the readers, the hearers of this letter understand that their faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ, is not misplaced. That in fact, Jesus Christ is so far superior to the angels, so far superior to Moses and the, and the law, so far superior uh, to the high priest who was that one person that everybody depended on every year to make sure that their sins uh, were dealt with over and over again, year after year, that, that Jesus is, is unique in history. And he is someone on whom you can place your faith and your trust in. And then the author of Hebrews tells us about all these people who have done just that. We pick up the narrative in the 11th chapter. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 
This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with, a found, with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, 
Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. <laughs> Not like every parent. <laughs> my, my child is special. <laughs> And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure, treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not uh, touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, it was suggested that I just close my Bible and say, okay, now go home and think about that. <laughs> but I'm a preacher. <laughs> so I'm going to open my Bible up again. So by faith, 
But by faith in what? By faith in whom? See, that's the key, people. When we talk about our faith, it's not some pie in the sky by and by, but we're speaking about a faith in the creator of the universe who has done incredible things in this world through ordinary people. I mean, I love how the author starts this 11th chapter. Gives us a definition, a definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. What is seen, what we see now, was made out of that which is not visible. Hold on to that thought and go back to verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What do we hope for? We hope that the promises of God will come to fruition. We don't hope that God exists. God has demonstrated over and over again his faithfulness in our lives and and, and, and in in this world. It is so important for us to realize that our faith is grounded in history. In the, in, the, in the mighty acts of God, moving through the nation of Israel, culminating in the person of Jesus Christ. Our faith is that Jesus is who he claims to be, fully God, fully human, showing us the face of God, teaching us how to live with one another according to God's principles, and then punctuate that with grace. Because we're all fallen every one of us. We have faith that Jesus not only showed us the face of God, but that he also went to the cross and that he died on that cross for our sins. And that through that sacrifice that we are forgiven, not only are we forgiven, but we are pronounced righteous in God's court giving us the opportunity to approach God without spot or blemish, clothed in a righteousness not our own. Our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ who not only died on the cross, but who rose from the grave. Interestingly enough, the controversy in the early church was not over the veracity of the resurrection. It was the claims of the one who was resurrected. No one seriously questioned the resurrection until about 300 years after it happened. There were too many people that saw it. There were too many people who saw Jesus before and after. So we trust and believe in the historical record of the resurrection. And that at that one point, 40 days after the resurrection, you read in Acts, they're saying, okay, Lord, is this it? Is this the time? You're going to establish your kingdom now? We can't wait. He says, you know what? The time, only God knows. Just be patient and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then they watched him 
ascended into the heavens. Where according to the author of Hebrews and many other uh, uh, references in the Bible, that he sat down at the right hand of God. And I, I, I love the way that the author describes this in, in the first chapter. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Just, just think about that for a minute. That Jesus is sustaining all things by the power of his word. This reminds me of the, of the statement by Abraham Kuyper who said, there is nothing in all of creation over which Jesus cannot legitimately claim mine. And the day is going to come in the fullness of time when the world is restored, that Christ is going to return and, 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 and usher in the fullness of his kingdom. Our faith is grounded in the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done, and the promises that he has given to us. The promise of redemption that has been fulfilled as we await for the promise of his return as all things are being restored uh, and transformed for his glory and for his honor. We need to settle on that once and for all as we move through. And I'm not going to go through all these people because here it is. It's already 13 minutes before the hour and I haven't really started talking about all these other people. And I'm not going to talk about all these other people this morning. I want you to think about all these people this next week because this whole chapter is a lead-in to chapter 12. And, and boy, I'd just love to jump into chapter 12 today, but we don't have time. <clears throat> See, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of this stuff. So as he, as he walks through, <laughs> as, he walks, as, the, as the author walks through each of these people, and there's quite a collection, uh, an eclectic collection of people there. Take the time. You, you, can, you can go to Google these days, type in any name. It'll take you right to the biblical reference. And read about these people and the things that they did. And even at that, we're not given, we're not given everything. Uh, about some of these people because the author doesn't have time and I don't have time this morning. But what I do have time this morning is to make sure that we understand what our faith is and what it is not. What our faith is and what it is not. Because there's a lot of bad theology out there when it comes to faith. Some of it mean, you know, you just need to, you just need to, you just need to believe. Don't question. Absolutely wrong. You need to question everything. Question everything. You're not going to get every answer that you want, but you're going to get a lot of them if you're willing to do the hard work, and I'm willing to do it with you. But when it comes to faith, there's a whole school of theology out there that says that, that uh, if you're sick, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you had faith, you would be well. If you're poor, you don't have enough faith because God wants you to be wealthy. I mean, these are, these are theologies that are being preached in, in churches in North America today. And I'm telling you that that's not what faith is because we know that not all healing takes place this side of eternity. And as we read about these people, some of these people, they went through unimaginable difficult, uh, difficult times. Uh, 
but they persevered. So being a person of faith isn't simply trusting in God's goodness and he's going to give you what you want if if you have enough faith. It's about knowing that God will be with you regardless of the external circumstances that are going on in your life. And he will give you the strength to endure whatever you are going through in your life, regardless of what it is. That's the kind of faith that we want to cultivate and and nurture as we move forward. Some people would say that faith is just a it's just a blind leap into the dark. Well, you know what? If I had faith in myself that I could fly and I took a leap off into the dark, well, that's faith. I'd suffer suffer the consequences for it. Uh, I would fall and I would hurt myself. Faith is not a blind leap. Faith is understanding that reason. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who said that uh, 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 Christianity was the thinking person's religion. Science as we know it today emerged in the 17th century because the church said our faith is reasoned. And so when you think about the, about the great names of, of science in the, uh, in the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century, you think about people like Copernicus, uh, Galileo, uh, uh, Kepler, uh, uh, Newton, Isaac Newton. Uh, Isaac Newton said, God gave us two books. God gave us two books. He gave us the book of scripture and he gave us the book of nature. People believed all those names that I told you by the way they were all Christians all committed Christians Louis Pasteur Isaac Newton said that God has given us moral laws there must be natural laws that govern the universe and if we study those natural laws to understand the universe in which we live we will have a better understanding of the God who gave us the moral law The very foundations of science are grounded in people who believed that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, the narrative has been totally skewed starting in about the late 19th century where they came up with this myth that the church was antithetical to science. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? In fact, there's a, there's a, uh, I think one of the best books that talks about uh, the, the benefits of, of Christianity in the world today was written by Dinesh D'Souza, What's So Great About Christianity. If you've never read that book, I got an extra copy. I'll give it to you. I mean, it is, it, it's an unbelievable book that just goes through. And the section on science is worth the price of the book alone. This idea that, that, that faith is this blind leap is ludicrous. Now, there are people, and, and, and by the way, everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. The scientist has faith. A scientist approaches a problem with an idea, a hypothesis, and then 
experiments to discover whether or not that hypothesis is true. But the scientist has to have a measure of faith to even begin exploring that avenue. I dare say that each of you have faith this morning that you were going to wake up. Some of you drove. You had faith when you got into your car that it was going to start. So the question is, what do we... You had faith when you walked into the sanctuary and sat down that the pews were going to hold your, hold your weight. You had faith. We exercise faith every single day. So when somebody says, oh, no, you, to have faith is, 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 is to check your mind at the door, when it, when it, especially when it comes to your, to, to, to your faith in God, you need to be able to say, whoa, 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 how did you ever come up with that? You have faith. In fact, some have said it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer. Do you know why they say that the earth is, uh, the universe is, is billions and billions of years old? Because it takes that much time in order for the theories of, of Darwinism and, and Darwin, and that's, so when I talk about evolution, I want to differentiate between evolution, capital E, and evolution is a small e. Okay, there, the, the world evolves. We, people change. Uh, the the, the uh, earlobes are a perfect example. S uh, some people have, have uh, 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 hanging earlobes and some people have no earlobes. That's an evolutionary change. I don't know why, but it, we, we, we see that. But, but evolution with a capital E, this idea that, that everything that we see here was accidental and it emerged from a single cell organism, the idea of amoeba to, to, to man, the time it would take as, as scientists delve into the, the, uh, uh, the world in, in which we live and how much time it would take to evolve from this to where we are today, mathematically, they keep saying, oh, well, gosh, the world must be older than we think because there's not enough time. One British scientist actually came out and said, I have to concede the point that there's not enough time in the, in, in, in the universe to explain how we got here today. Yeah, it, it's just this side of impossible. But I would rather put my faith in the impossible than to contemplate the unthinkable. And what is the unthinkable? There that there is a God who created the world, who knows us, who loves us, who has promised never to leave us and never forsake us. This is not a God who has said, come to me and I will remove all of your challenges. Come to me and you will never have another difficult day in your life. Come to me, and you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No. That's not the world we live in. The world we live in is broken, and we can have all kinds of discussions about why it's broken. 
And we can also have all kinds of discussions about how we fix it. And I stand before you today and I tell you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength that the only hope for the world today is Jesus. The gospel has the answers. And we as the church need to understand that and to not be afraid of difficult questions and not be afraid to say, yes, I am a person of faith. I trust that God has revealed himself to us through the person of Jesus Christ and that through Jesus Christ, I know that I am forgiven and loved and I'm not on some merit treadmill trying to earn God's favor, but through grace forgiveness and mercy I've been given another chance to live into God's kingdom to show God's love to those uh, I encounter my faith is not just a set of beliefs but it informs the actions of my life it makes a difference in how I see everybody how I understand myself and the world in which we live my faith is a solid rock, and on that rock we stand. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. One more week. So those of you that know me well know that I, I love comics, and I've, I've got a collection of comics in my drawer, and uh, uh, and a couple weeks ago, somebody brought me a comic that was in the paper, and, and I actually had seen it early and thought, oh, I'm going to hear about this. And it's a, uh, a, a small child talking to parents, asking the question why this child had to give up uh, his invisible friend just because he couldn't see him. And he looks at his parents and says, how is that different from the God that you can't see? And I thought about that and I said, you know what? I can't see the wind, but I sure see the effects of the wind around me. I may not be able to see God but I have seen God at work in people's lives. I have seen God do amazing, extraordinary things with ordinary people. And do I still have questions? Yes, I still have questions. But a friend of mine, a colleague, he said, you know what, when I have questions that I can't answer, I take those question marks and I hang them in the closet in the back of my mind and I move forward. And every now and then I go back and I look at those questions and sometimes I discover that those question marks have been elongated into exclamation points. Life must be lived forwards, but it can only be understood backwards. And sometimes we don't recognize what God is doing today until tomorrow. 
God has given us enough, God has given me enough answers for the questions that I have to trust him with the ones that remain. Someday, all those questions will be answered. Until then, I will trust and I will lean in and I know I will experience the ongoing transforming power of God at work within my life and your life as we move forward into God's kingdom. Don't let the external circumstances, the hardships that you are going through, whatever it may be, deter you from persevering. When you find yourself in those weak moments, remember Hebrews chapter 11. 11. And go back and read this chapter and be encouraged by those who pressed on, who did not receive the promises that were giving, but looked forward to a day when they would be fulfilled. That is our faith and our hope now and forevermore.